Good morning. It's Sunday, August 9th. Welcome to this multimedia resource for at home spiritual growth during our transition from pandemic stay at home orders to resuming public worship at Redeemer Lutheran Church. This resource is provided as an interim at home alternative to our public worship, which has resumed in an outdoor setting. The order of service is available for download on our website. You can print off a copy and follow along that way if you wish. The order of service will also be displayed as slides on the screen throughout this morning's presentation. God bless you with growth from His Word today. Hidden in Plain Sight, Mysterious Worth A Service of Corporate Confession and Absolution for Sunday, August 9th In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that we may love you and praise your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Psalm 63 You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. The Holy Gospel today is Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 52. Christians consider Christ their greatest treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. When I hear of hidden treasure, I think of maps where X marks the spot and Indiana Jones narrowly escaping a runaway boulder, or I think of pirates sailing to the edge of the ocean to find the island where the treasure is buried. Now, in our days, finding buried treasure is kind of the stuff of legend, but in the parable of Jesus, which was recorded in Matthew chapter 13... Finding buried treasure was a realistic possibility. See, in the ancient world, you couldn't store your liquid assets at a bank, so it was actually quite common for wealthy people to hide their treasure. 
and the most secure way to hide money was always to bury it at an undisclosed location on your land. That way, only you knew where the money was. But as you know, life is full of upheaval. You'd have events like war, political drama, legal loss, and or even death. And that meant that sometimes treasure was forgotten or left behind by the people who buried it. So it was not entirely uncommon for someone, say, who's plowing a field to discover a bit of buried treasure. And that, Jesus says, is what the kingdom of heaven is like, finding buried treasure. He also says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. Once again, in the first century, things might be a little different than in our time. And in those days, pearls were among the most highly prized luxuries in the whole world. They were a conspicuous way to display wealth, and they could command sometimes unimaginably high prices. There are historical accounts from the ancient world that talk about women who had the value of two or three whole estates hanging as pearls from each earlobe. We're talking tens of millions of dollars worth of jewelry for just a single pair of pearl earrings. And that, Jesus says, is what the kingdom of heaven is like, finding a priceless pearl. But what's he getting at? As you may know, a parable is an extended metaphor. It's a verbal picture that Jesus often used to teach a single point of comparison. And Jesus has packed two important truths into these little parables. The first truth is that the kingdom of God costs everything. You probably noticed that both men in the parables sold everything they had to acquire the treasure. There was no halfway measure to get the treasure or the pearl. They couldn't do a 30-day free trial or maybe buy a small share of the treasure. They had to go all in to get it. You may also have realized that both men had to give up things of incredible value, and not just in terms of money. Think of the heirlooms they sold, the gifts they had received but they now put up for sale, the memorable items they no longer owned when they sold those things for this treasure. This was a complete and total reorientation of life in anticipation of a tremendous reward. And this, Jesus says, is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom requires total commitment and complete sacrifice. There's no halfway in and halfway out. You're utterly and completely in the kingdom or you aren't in it at all. The kingdom costs everything. Now the question naturally comes up, are you or I, are we willing to sell everything for the kingdom of Christ? And when I hear that answer, or that question, my answer is, is pretty much, no, I'm not. You know, I, I like my car, I like my iPhone, I like the new TV, I enjoy having clothes, food, and shelter. There are, there are trips I want to take and, and luxuries I enjoy. I can't imagine giving that all up. Can you? Can you imagine that? The truth is, the way Jesus talks about his kingdom, selling all our stuff, actually, as hard as that sounds, that would be the easy part. You know, if push comes to shove, we're just a, maybe a few eBay listings and a 
and an estate sale and a, maybe a couple garage sales away from selling all our stuff. We could liquidate it if we needed to. But when Jesus says his kingdom costs everything, he actually means everything, and that goes far beyond what you own. We've got plenty of things we wouldn't dream of selling for the kingdom. And if you want to know what they are, here's how. This little thought experiment, a theological thought experiment for you. Just think of, think through to all the times you've said or thought, you know, I'd be more loyal to God if, or I'd be happier with God's rule in my life if, or I would trust God more if, and you'll find that whatever's on the other side of that if is what you value most and what you wouldn't sell, even if it meant the kingdom. Maybe you say, you know, I, would, I could really be more loyal to God or I could, I could be happy with his rule in my life if it was my decision to make sure that I was in the kingdom, which will tell you that it's your own will and your way and your autonomy that is the thing that you value most. You might say, I could be more faithful to God if he would bless me with greater financial resources. If I could just have more money from God, then you know the thing that you value most is money and wealth and the, the security that brings. You might say, you know, I could, I could trust God more if he would clear out some of these nagging health problems that, that I have in my life so I could serve him better and with more joy and happiness. And that'll tell you that what you value most is, is physical happiness more than, than even a spiritual joy that can go through physical good times and physical bad times. Now, this, this is a hard exercise, of course. This isn't pleasant to think this through. But what we, we do this because if, if you find that, you know, it's where you find your security or your identity or your peace, whatever that is, you and I are all clutching at something that we wouldn't dream of selling off for the kingdom of Christ. We, we've got what we think provides security and identity and peace and well-being and, and autonomy, and we're holding on to that for dear life. And to sell it off for the sake of Christ seems like a bad option because it, it feels risky, right? And I get that because we're, we're afraid of an all-or-nothing proposition because what if we end up with nothing? What if we bet all the blue chips on something that can't actually hold the day. But that's where the second truth comes in from Jesus' parables. The kingdom, yes, it, it costs everything. Even the things you and I don't really want to sell. But the kingdom of God is also worth everything. You see, far too many Christians are tempted to take parables like these and say, you know, see, what you have to do is you got to try really hard, you got to dig really deep, make a huge sacrifice, and you're going to make a big decision and a, and a big splash, and you're going to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior, which is another way of saying you are in the kingdom by, of Christ by the thoroughness of your personal commitment or the zeal of your following him. But there's a reason that Lutherans have maintained for 500 years uh, that, that the scriptures mean what they say when the scriptures say we enter the kingdom of Christ by God's grace and his favor alone. And it's right here in this parable. This is not something we're just making up so that our team seems like it has it right. 
you look at it, does Jesus say the two men sold all their things while choking back tears and frustration and only realize later how much they had gotten in exchange for their sacrifice? No, Jesus says those two men found their treasure and then in their joy went and sold everything for it. They found joy, then they sacrificed. Do you see the difference? It's not that they sacrificed and they hated it and later they found some joy. No, they found joy first. Then came the work, the sacrifice, the deed, the fruit. So the exceeding value and beauty of the treasure, that's what changed their life. Not the dramatic sacrifice they made. It was what they found that was outside of them. It was there for them already. And that, Jesus says, is what the kingdom of heaven is really like. Finding joy because you have found something worth everything. See, that's the kind of the neat thing about these two parables today is that you can actually kind of turn them around. You know, we naturally read them as examples for us, right? Go do this. You know, here's a, here's a Bible passage. Go be, you know, follow the example. But what if these are also really pictures of God? What if these little illustrations reveal a God who, like a man who found treasure in a field, sold everything to have it? What if these little stories teach about a God who, like a merchant who found the most beautiful pearl, sacrificed everything to make it his own? What if these little parables tell of a God who, like the men in these stories, that he was the only one who could see the hidden value? What if God looked at mankind and saw what we saw? Pervasive corruption of our bodies and our minds. Instinctive wickedness that causes us to harm even those we love. And rebellion against God woven into the very fabric of our lives, the decisions of our, of our minds and the, 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 the direction of our society even. And what if, what if God looked at you and saw what you see in the mirror? A person with secret sins you pray never come to light. A person with sorrows so deep, they haunt every corner of your life. A person with the frustrating inability to live up to their own standards, let alone the standards of a holy God. And what if that's not really a what if? <laughs> what if that's all true? And God himself does come to our fields, our markets, comes himself in human flesh. What if he saw what we saw and sees what we see? What if he came to find us and when he did, rather than turn up his nose at us and turn his back toward us and walk away for something better, he sold everything to have us? And what if the price he paid was not merely gold or silver, but everything? His blood, his life, his infinite goodness. He paid it all, snuffed out on the cross. And what if Jesus is the man seeking treasure? And what if you are what he has found? What if that's true? What if that's true? Jesus Christ is the true God who sold us everything to have you. That's the truth. Which means you belong to him and he belongs to you. He's not some future return on investment, not some talisman you pull out when you need a favor, not some loose change that jingles around with the pocket lint. No, he is your present possession, your infinite beauty, your unending treasure. You have found him. He exists for you. And in your joy now, 
you can live a life that's oriented to that beauty and that treasure. Amen. Now the grace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Confession and Absolution Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Let us confess our sins to God and ask for his forgiveness. Almighty God, merciful Father, I confess to you that I have not loved you with all my heart. In what I have done and left undone, I have pursued my ways instead of your ways. I have not loved others as you command. For this I deserve your punishment now and forever. I am sorry for my sins. I repent of them. I plea for your mercy. Forgive us for the sake of Jesus Christ who suffered and died for us. Cleanse me from my sins. Release me from my guilt. Grant me your Holy Spirit to amend my sinful life. Jesus says to his people, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. Do you believe this? Yes, I believe. God, who is rich in mercy, loved us even when we were dead in sin and made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven us and reconciled us to God and has promised us the power to forgive and love each other. Relying on his promise, therefore, be reconciled with one another. Brothers and sisters, may the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, in our words, and in our actions. Let us pray. O God, you reveal your mighty power chiefly in showing mercy and kindness. Grant us the full measure of your grace that we may obtain your promises and become partakers of your heavenly glory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord's Prayer Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lord God, all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works come from you. Give to us, your servants, that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commandments. Defend us also from the fear of our enemies, that we may live in peace and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ our Savior, who lives and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. Christ Jesus has set you free. Thanks be to God.